microphone. Oh, yeah. Sounds great today. Yeah, yeah. We are back once again. This is the ATP podcast. It's your boy Jay, along with Mark Figaroa. And this is episode 125, 125, 125, 125. And we are officially in the dead period. And I think we still got plenty to discuss today. It's um, it's going to be an interesting day, man. How are you feeling about the topics? Good. Uh, we have uh, uh, ATP Awards winners and, and WTA Awards winners. So there's still a little bit to cover. Did they announce all of them? Uh, yes, pretty much, yes. All right, beautiful. I don't know all of them, so I get to react on air. Yes. Beautiful. I Sometimes I try to purposely not look things up so that you could tell them to me on air live and I can react genuinely. So uh, where do we start today? So first off, uh, Netflix has been uh, doing a documentary. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be called Breakpoint. It's following certain uh, players. Oh, we kind of discussed this on air. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's going to debut on January 13th of oh, 2023. Super so exciting. It, it's covering Grand Slams and certain players playing in the Grand Slams. Mm. So you just said it. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Um, I remember, um, I think I told you I had watched a podcast for Taylor Fritz, and he explained how they were following him at Indian Wells when he won it. So there's going to be some good coverage of some surprising moments from this previous season there. Yes. So I'm I'm fairly excited about that and uh, um, the the other series that Netflix did with the Marty Fish story was pretty good. So yeah. so I'm assuming that this one's going to be pretty good as well. Yeah. So moving on to the WTA awards. Uh, first off, um, as expected, Ega won the Player of the Year, but the news really is that Ash Barty, who only played one tournament one month was nominated for player of the year with only playing one month in the year what are your thoughts on that i think we kind of touched on this lightly previously but you know this can go one of two ways and i want to spin it this way back to you what does this mean to you it can be one of these two things one barty was that impactful of an athlete last year and um, you know, this is kind of like their farewell, give the flowers, adios situation. Or two, is the WTA just not that deep with impactful players for a full season? I think it's both. Yeah. Yes. It's, uh, as you stated, this was her last year. She retired. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, um, you can tell by the point spread between Iga and Anj Jabor yeah. how lopsided it is. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. And then we have the award winners. We have uh, Zhang Wen, who won uh, Newcomer of the Year. We have David Witt, who coached um, Pagula. He also had a little stint with Venus Williams. Mm-hmm. He won uh, Coach of the Year. Did and anyone get robbed here? <clears throat> or was that justifiable? I think that was justifiable because Pagula has... This is the best uh, year uh, in her career, for sure. Absolutely. So I, I agree there 100%. Mm-hmm. Then you have uh, Beatrice Maya, who won uh, Most Improved Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, she made it to the finals of uh, uh, Toronto, Montreal, one of those two. Mm-hmm. Lost to Halep in the final. 
So that was a pretty good run. And then, of course, we have a Iga winning player of the year. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, as far as the most improved player of the year one goes, it is what it is. I mean, that was one where, honestly, I don't feel like there was anyone that – it almost feels like everyone is the most improved player of the year in the WTA sometimes. You know, people tend to make impressive runs out of nowhere. So as far as newcomers go and most improved go – it's just a matter of, is it something that they've already done or not? That's kind of the differentiator for me. So, you know, if they had a hot year three years ago, fell off, and then now they're hot again, I don't think they should win the award. But if this is their first time this making is their a name first for time. the yes. then, okay, now we're talking. And I think that's what separates our winners this year from the yes. rest, you know. So I like the winners there. And then with Iga, I mean, it's complete highway robbery and – um, manipulation if she doesn't get anything but first place in anything she's nominated for. She was an incredible sportsman this year, incredible athlete this year. She was double or triple the points of pretty much everyone in the top 10. There's literally nothing you can say to dispute her presence on the tour right now. And that's also, I kind of want to write it backwards a little bit and say, the gap in points that she has on everyone is almost the void that we anticipated Barty filling. Yes. The gap is literally the amount of points I would think Barty would have. So, yeah, you know, it all makes sense to me. Yes, I think the awards were fair and they went to the right people. Mm. And then the doubles team of the year was Kriskova and Tinyukova. Mm. Uh, Kriskova is the player who won the French Open last year, singles and doubles. Sick. So that was uh, well-deserved as yeah, well. Yeah, she cannot be forgotten. So now we're going to go on to some Nick Kyrgios news. Mm. Now, uh, they have a exhibition in Saudi Arabia, and there's a little pool. It was a Hercotch, uh Sissy Pass, uh, Striker, or Stricker, and Kyrgios. Mm. Yeah. And the losers had to team up to play with each other. Mm-hmm. And the losers were... Kyrgios and Sissy Pass. Mm. They played against Hercotch and, and uh, Stricker. They lost in two tiebreakers. Yeah. But everybody was wondering the tension from mm. Wimbledon. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Kyrgios sent out a tweet and said, huh, maybe best doubles team right now? Question yeah. mark. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I thought it was amusing. He, he kind of broke the ice on social media before the media could. You know, and he kind of didn't waste any time acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is these two guys have had a very interesting long history. We know that Kyrgios has a great relationship with Pa's brother. Um, we know that Kyrgios beat Pa, and I want to say it was the Southwest or the Cincinnati way back during the Shoegate scandal where Pa's shoelaces kept breaking and he kept yes. changing shoes mid-match. And Kyrgios ran to Pa's box and got the shoes and hand-delivered them to Pa in the middle of their match against each other. And that was a very interesting situation because I couldn't tell if it was him putting almost a spotlight on the awkwardness, if it was him being transparent, like, hey, it's not a big deal. It's got it's just the guy's shoes. Or, you know, what his plan was there. But then we also have seen when they played on the large platform stage, Kyrgios purposely got in his head. You know, he really antagonized him to the maximum possible and got called a bully by Pa in the press conference after. So they've had highs and lows for sure. It's never been a brotherly love dynamic between them, no matter what it is. And so for them to play together and Kyrgios is 
introductory statement being best two players potentially in the world coming together yes. to play doubles. A little funny. A little funny. And then Sissy Pass' response was, who would have thought? Yeah. That was his response. Which means neither one of them are excited about it. <laughs> yes. But, it's just an um, icebreaker. Did you watch it? I did not. I did watch um, the extended highlights and stuff like that because it was a little difficult for me to find time to stream it. And um, I'm not going to lie. They looked, after watching Kyrgios play with people like Jack Sock, Tanasi, they definitely did not look perfectly in sync, which shouldn't be surprising. But they were still competitive because they're two high-level players. Yes. So it was funny to watch. And for some reason, Hercotch is, his serve was effective, but... He's an interesting guy in doubles. I I don't think he's my ideal doubles player to watch. Oh, yes, big time. I agree. And with more curious news, he said that um, last last year he said that he was going to play the French Open again Mm -hmm. because his uh, girlfriend hasn't seen France yet. Yeah. And he was going to do it for her. Mm -hmm. So he announced it officially, quote unquote, on Twitter saying if i'm gonna do it i might as well go uh get some money i'd rather be home but i'll do it just for the money yeah uh, what are your thoughts on curios's comments on playing the french open you know i think that he's expressing the sentiments a lot of the other hardcore specialists and grass players do uh feel but don't say on the tour which is it's a slam let me go get these points let me go get this cash this is a part of the tour i gotta do this I do think that there's a good chunk of athletes on the tour who go to the French with no intentions on winning that slam, but every intention on just seeing how far they can get and what they can stack up, you know? So I I think it's a little nasty he said it that way, but it's honest, you know, so. Yes, he's been uh, brutally honest about how he feels about the French Open, so. He hates the French he Open. He hates the French Open, so yeah. the fact that he's even playing it, I guess, is wow. The French will get to see Nick Kyrgios. Interesting. So, uh, moving on to a funny story, which is Roger Federer. He was on the Trevor Noah show. Ah, oh, this is news for this week. And uh, this, it, it's actually funny. That's why I'm bringing yeah, it up. Yeah, it is. So, uh, he said that he went to Wimbledon as a commentator. Mm-hmm. And the person who uh, checks the people in yeah. said, uh, may I help you? And then he said, I am trying to get in. And then the person at the door said, well, you need to be a member. And then he said, I am a member. And he was like, no, I need to see credentials. And then he he got so tired of her just asking the same question. He finally said, I won this eight times. And then he even <laughs> said to Trevor, no, it was, I felt just an eerie feeling saying that. Yeah. But she just got to me so badly that I just had to say, look, I won this eight times. Let me in. What are your thoughts on Federer's... Uh, comments so i uh i watched that interview when it first came out and um i remember so essentially what happened was she was questioning his credentials asking for his membership id and he didn't have it so he walked around to a second gate on the backside, uh and i think he had said he told her i don't know where to enter at i normally am playing in this event i'm normally an athlete for right. it this is the first time i'm not where yes. do i go and she said you can go here if you have your card and he went, oh, here we go. So he walked around to the other gate. And at the other gate, they went, Roger, come on in. <laughs> they let him walk right in the gate. And that's where he said, 
I almost ran back to her at that gate to say, I've won this thing eight times. Yes. <laughs> you know, and um, that's pretty funny that someone who works at Wimbledon's facility doesn't know Roger Federer's face. Eight-time champion there. He's basically the godfather of the tournament. Um, his face is probably pa- plastered on the wall right behind her. His name is written on the walls, literally. They are probably going to name a stadium after him. Um, so it's so funny to me that he got put kind of, she was doing her job very well. I'll give her that. Yeah, absolutely. She, she's not going to lose her job, but she's definitely probably glad he didn't say her name on air. So that was a funny story, man. That was a good one. As a matter of fact, what would be even worse is if somebody were to stop Nadal at the French Open. Oh my goodness. With a statue outside saying, give me your credentials. And then he say, it's right there. You see that statue? <laughs> I, I think that would maybe be a little worse. Oh, that's for sure worse. So now this is an, a very interesting topic here. Uh, Djokovic, Serena Williams, and uh, uh, Nadal are the most searched athletes on Google. All sports? All sports. Oof. Nobody more than them. What are your thoughts on tennis domination? I, I have mixed emotions about it. So one, I will say this. That's impressive considering this is the year of the World Cup. Um, so that part is very impressive. And then after that, I want to say, can you think of another sport that's completely global with its tour? where athletes play other athletes consistently around the entire world that actually has massive stars playing right now in it that are living legends. Is there another sport like that? Besides soccer? Yeah, it's just soccer and tennis, right? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, with that being said, I think that soccer is not as... Well, soccer and tennis are not as big in the United States as the rest of the world, but Serena Williams is that big in the United States. Yes. So that makes it very interesting, you know, and was Roger Federer on that list this year? No. No, really? Mm -hmm. During his exiting year? Yes. Yeah, that's, those are interesting stats. Yes, I thought it was very interesting. The other thing I can think of uh, switching it around is maybe people are just hearing of them and they want to see who they are, whereas Ronaldo and Messi... They already know who they are. There's not a lot to Google for outside of the scores. Right. So that could be the other way to look at it. So now for the ATP awards, you have Kokonakis and Kyrgios who won fan favorite uh, doubles. That Uh, makes perfect sense. So you're not shocked by that at all? Not at all. I mean, at the end of the day, there aren't any really truly marketable doubles teams since the Bryan brothers have kind of exited a bit. So, I mean, who else can we think of outside of the tennis nerd knowing yes. a duo? You know, the Bryan brothers were a world-famous duo. I love Rajiv Ram. I like, um, well, even like the Nesters of the world and the yes. Zeminiches are gone. Yes. You know, there's there's not a truly, f- Jack Sock by himself is not a duo. That's a really popular doubles player. Yeah, there's not really anyone else I think they're truly competing with at this point. You know, the WTA's got way more popularized doubles duos that are active on the tour. So, yeah, I, I'm i not surprised at all. And then you have uh, Borna Choric, won the comeback player of the year. Now, last time you said, well, he really didn't go anywhere. Yeah. So are you surprised that he won? 
A little bit, yeah. You know, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm not mad at it because he did have an incredible run, which I think we both acknowledged. Yes. And we just said, yes, it was impressive, but should we have been doubting him in the first place was the real question. And that's why, to me, Borna Korich, his comeback wasn't so triumphant. You know, I really, to me, I, I felt, yeah, it's Borna Korich. This guy's been dangerous his entire career. As long as he's been on the tour, as a Federer fan, I've had a slight fear of him, you know, because <laughs> he's given Federer a run for his money a few times. And I believe you were with me. I think you came with me to Indian Wells when we watched him play against Tomas Berdic. Yes. And he earned my respect off just losing that match. The way he lost that match, he looked like a true athlete. So I've always been a Borna Korch fan. And so, I mean, I support him getting the award. Still surprised he got it. Then you have uh, El Mosquito. He ended up winning Coach of the Year. Now you okay. were you were going hard for uh, Goran Ivanisevic. Yeah, that's my bias. Uh, are you okay with uh, Juan Carlos Ferrero beating Goran? Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with it. At the end of the day, the most dramatic tour performance of the year from an athlete, the most surprising, the most impressive, was the player that he coached. You know, Juan Carlos Ferrero coached Carlos Alcaraz, and he broke through and won a U.S. Open. He beat the big three at points, you know, and he just had a phenomenal year from the beginning to the end until he got his injury. Yes. You know, so it's kind of hard to beat that. I can't be mad. And then you have uh, Holger Rune, won the newcomer of the year. We knew this was happening. This was undeniable. No one else had the right to this except him. He had the right to even take the comeback of the year one, even though he isn't coming back from anything except youth and rookie year. So, you know, Holger Rune earned that, and he stole it. You know, that's his to have. And then uh, Nadal won the fan favorite of player of the year. Now, this is a very interesting stat, and it speaks to the popularity. Uh, Federer had won it 19 years in a row. And now Nadal finally broke that streak. Jeez. So I guess we know who is loved out of the top three and who is really hated out of the top three, correct? Oh, yeah. And we've always known this. And this, I think this goes into the complex of Novak Djokovic as an athlete as well. That slight chip on the shoulder from not having the popularity. And him also finally coming into his own skin. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of people who are maybe newer to watching tennis understand how much the men's tennis was carried by Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer for 20 years. Carried. So, you know, the fact that they've pretty much had the award for the last 19, no, last 20 years now, um, there should be no surprise there that, you know, Federer being gone is going to leave a huge void if Nadal's not playing. Yes. So, you know, those two guys carried the sport, and when they're gone, Although Djokovic is equally an amazing athlete, his impact and influence socially is not anywhere within the realm. So it'll be interesting to see where all these fans' energy and support gets dispersed to and who they gravitate towards. Now, I th I could not find the player of the year, unfortunately. Maybe it's not out yet, mm -hmm. but I couldn't find that. But uh, shout out to this uh, uh, site that we're looking at. It's Deuce Alerts. We've been getting a lot of... Uh, interesting stats from them to shout out to them uh this is a very good one uh gasquet this week broke 
900 weeks in the top 100. Insanity. And only Nadal has more with 1,004 weeks in the top 100. So you're telling me he's been in the top 100 longer than Djokovic and Federer. Yes. And Jimmy Connors. Yes. And those three guys have pretty much every award you can own. Yes. That's insane. What are your thoughts on uh, Gasquet? You know, uh, for people who don't know who Gasquet is, he's a Frenchman who um, has one of the most pretty, unique one-handed backhands on the entire tour. And before Federer was Federer, people said Gasquet was the next Federer. Yes. You know, they really thought that his trajectory was going to take him to the absolute top of the tour. And unfortunately, if you want my opinion, he lacked the serve in the forehand for it, but he had all the style to make it look like he didn't. So, you know, I'm not surprised to where he ended up, and I'm really happy to see that he's been on the tour for so long and still so consistent with his level. That's really amazing. Now, this is, uh, unless you have other things, this is going to be my last uh, topic here, which is the UTR, Universal Tennis Rating. Can you explain to people what is the UTR? UTR is they base it on strength, on uh, who you play, for example, uh, certain shots you hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's how they base it. So their top 10 is not even close to the ATP's top 10. Yeah, their rating system's not just collecting points from events. Yes. So it's, it's strength okay. of schedule. Mm-hmm. It's who you play, who you've beaten, who yeah. they've beaten, yeah. uh, the shots you hit, stuff along those lines. So before that, before you disclose this, okay. what's your opinion on this system versus the, the point system we're used to? Uh there's to me, you'll you'll see in the top five especially, I don't think that it's fair per se mm. and and i'll get to it in a bit okay so i'm gonna uh, read the top I, I guess i'll just read the top 10 okay so holger rune is number 10 according to this system okay then you have zverev at number nine interesting sissy pass who is in the top six is yeah. at number eight okay then you have alcaraz who is the number one player oh. in the world he's number seven Wow. Okay. So there's six other guys in the world that are that better are than better him. than Carlos Alcaraz. Okay. Let me hear their names. Uh, Taylor Fritz is gonna be number six. He's outside the top. He's he's around eight or nine. It must be the the Nadal win. That must be what it is. Then you got Nadal. Okay. Who's at number five? Okay. Ali Asim at four. No way. Uh, Medvedev at three. Really. And. Our boy, Nick Kyrgios, at number two. That is, I'm going to just say, let's go. <laughs> and then, obviously, <laughs> Novak Djokovic. The true number one in the At world. number one. Yeah. Do you agree with this top ten? I cannot. I want to so badly, but I cannot agree with that top ten. Um, what do you think of it? What are the So tell me the, the bright points of this top ten. Are there any positives that you see in it? Okay, so for example, Nick Kyrgios, on, he didn't play as many matches as Alcaraz. Yeah. That's number one. Okay. Uh, number two, if I recall correctly, I looked it up. I believe uh, Kyrgios was 37-10 and 10 in the year. Uh, Alcaraz was 57-13 and 13 in the year. So Alcaraz played 20-something more matches, and yet... He is not in the top five. So to me, that is a little off. 
and uh, Alcaraz had wars. So to me, it's a little off. What are your thoughts? Um, it's a little tricky for me. So, for example, I did, I do know that statistically speaking, Kyrgios did have a higher win percentage than Alcaraz for the year. But like you kind of said earlier, is um, freshness at the tournaments a factor? How many match wins total versus ratio of wins to losses? You know, obviously we have some athletes who only play events that they feel they're favored in. And then we have some guys who just play everything they can because they want to have a full schedule. And should we really be dinging the guys who, for example, go play the French and the U.S. Open and Wimbledon, although maybe they specialize in just one of the three? And then reward the guy who skips the clay season because he has a hardcore game, you know. So there's there's definitely some some things to acknowledge in UTR that might be flawed, and that might be why getting points for playing in more tournaments is a better system because yes. it encourages you to do more. So you know, with that being said, I like the UTR system more if everyone has to play every event, then it's a better system. But unfortunately, that's not how the tour works. So. Yeah, I can't fully agree with it. Yes, I. as much as I like Kyrgios, I can't put Kyrgios, Kyrgios over Alcaraz. That's so, probably the main discrepancy I have. Yes. Al- Aliasim needs to be below Alcaraz. Kyrgios can be above Aliasim for me. Yes. Um, you know, so that's no. a tricky one. Yes, and, and as far as results are concerned, yes, he made it to the Wimbledon final. Uh, he's done exceptionally well in doubles, so mm-hmm. I can see him in the top four or five. And technically speaking, he probably would be if Wimbledon had done their points. But I just can't see him above Alcaraz. All right. Well, I have some fun facts for you now. Okay. All right. So let's start off with, excuse me, the most aces in the year of 2022. And this one, this one's interesting because I feel like six or seven years ago, we knew this list without reading a list. It was the same culprits every year for maybe a decade straight. You know, Eva Karlovich, John Isner, Federer, you know, you, you know yes, the regulars, yes. you know. And, and now there are a lot of new special servers that maybe we don't really realize they're serving specialists. Uh, I'll tell you right now, the guy who got number one, I didn't guess this. That, this was not my number one pick. Who would you Who would you think off the top of your head is the number one server on the tour? Most aces collected in one year. Mo- well... If Nick Kyrgios had played enough matches, I would have said him. Yeah. He maybe Hercotch, maybe. Okay, that's a good guess. Um, you're wrong. And I'm going to start from the bottom of the list, and I'll work my way to the number one. You guessed the number two guy, by the way. Um, so in last place, this is the guy that would have been in my top three, Riley Opelka. That's that's shocking to me. And this is out of eight servers. Wow. Um, followed by, uh, he was at 518 aces. 524 aces. Stefano Sisipa. With that messed up toss? I think this has to do with volume of tournaments played as well. Okay, that makes a lot you of know, sense. Because he played a lot of events, and he went deep in a lot of events. That's a big change, too. You have to win a lot of matches to serve a lot of aces. Well, if he doesn't know where the toss is going, how can his opponents know where he's going? <laughs> Got him. Let's go. Big cerebral. Yes, moving on. <laughs> um, oh, and I also want to do a major shout-out to this platform, this, uh, their name is very similar to ours. They are an Instagram account called Around the ATP. That's Around underscore the underscore ATP. And they, they present a lot of really strong quality statistics from their followers as well as the ones they find on their own. 
And uh, if you guys are curious where I get some of this information, this account, when they put up really good stuff, I like to reference it. And so shout out to those guys. Moving forward. Our number six, 536 aces, Taylor Fritz. I can see that. He played a lot. Yeah, I can see that. He played a lot, and he's got a huge Yes, he bomb has a pretty serve. big serve. Yes. Next one. Never in my life would have guessed this. At 586 aces, Bublik. Okay. I can see it. I didn't know that. I, I didn't know it. he served that well. It's a great serve, I guess. Yes. Um, up next, this one. I think you're not going to be surprised by this. I was a little bit. Aliasim. No. Cressy. I'm not shocked by that. Yeah, Cressy, he's a certain volleyer, isn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's a certain volleyer, which adds a lot more pressure to the returner as well. Yes. 647 aces. Yes. More than 100 more aces than Riley Opelka. Including a 20-mile-an-hour mishit ace. That's a lot of RPMs. Yes. Um, up next, the, this, these next three, not as surprising. John Isner, number three. Of course. 689 aces, just stacking up the record. Followed by your guest, Herkoch. Yes, I can see that. 743. Big time. And then the guy you just mentioned at number one, my Ali little Asim. bro, Felix Ojaliasim, with 775 aces this year. That's, I, I got it right next. Let's yeah, go. your second guess. It took guess. me a while, yeah. but I got there. Yeah, and you know, I think it has to do with him serving out of his mind he has been. in the last quarter of the year. Yes, he has been big yeah, time. Yeah, he was serving incredibly massive. So. Um, yeah, big salute to him. I did not think, if you would ask me who would lead in aces at the beginning of 2022, he wouldn't have been in my first four picks. Mm-mm. You know, he wouldn't have been in any of my top four choices. So, yeah, really big shout out to him. And I thought that was a fun statistic there. Yes. Um, these are the last few here. And this one made me proud. This one made me real proud. Um, they did a new ranking system. And this is... They, they wrote down everyone in the top 100, and then they categorized them by country to determine which countries have the most athletes in the top 100. I'm going to give you the top five. At number five, Australia. Not surprising, right? No. They have five athletes in the top 100, and I think three or four of them are stars. You know, Tanasi, Kyrgios, uh, Diminor. Yes. So, I mean, they got a pretty strong lineup there, followed by... Argentina. That's shocking. It is. Baez. Schwartzman. That's all I can think of. Yeah, really. I, off the top of my head, I can't name them all. But they have seven athletes in the top wow. 100. So maybe we should keep an eye out for Argentina moving yes. forward. Um, and then these next three, they've probably been the top three for the last decade. And number three, France. They have, I, I can see that. They have 10 players in yes. the top 100. And they've have they've been putting out Hall of Famer Hall of Famers on a regular basis, but they also put out guys who just don't know how to seal the deal on a regular basis. Yes. So, I wouldn't want to be a top French player because <laughs> these poor guys get to slam finals, tournament finals. They're always in the top 100. Um, Gasquet. Yes. You know Benoit Pair, right? Uh, Songa, Gail Monfi. You know, these are all those guys that are dangerous, but just not dangerous enough. Yes. Uh, a very interesting country to be from. Then up next. Great Britain. Spain. Wow. I'm S- shocked Great Britain wasn't up there. Yeah. Great Britain was uh, actually 
down. They're, they're kind of far down. They're top 10, but they're pretty wow. far down the list. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Spain with 10 athletes still in the top 100, tied with France. But the difference is the Spaniards still the deal. <laughs> you know, yes, they, they mean business. That's the key difference. You know, yes. these are, and you know what's interesting? These are two clay court based countries. Um, do we think that, you know, out of these top one, two, three, four, five, six teams or countries, do we think that? Being a clay-based country makes a huge difference if half of the teams are clay countries. It, it has to. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, obviously Spain has the number one player in the world and the number two player in the world, Rafael Nadal and Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz, unless you count Djokovic as the number two or one. But yes. Those two guys are pretty much the most dominant of the year. So, um, you know, and Spain's another one of those, those Yeah, guys. they've always been loaded. It's been, always. Yes, the past two decades, they've been solid. Doubles, singles, yes. Davis Cup, you name it. They've got a presence every time. And then at number one, the big U.S. of A. I'm not shocked by that. The best country in the world in men's and women's tennis. Salute us. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one, um, you know, usually I would always not really be too impressed with this because... I always felt like we were the best of the rest. You know, we'd have a bunch of guys in the top 100, but they're all ranked from 10 to 90. You know, no one's really dominating since Andy Roddick. But this year in particular, we saw an incredible run from Taylor Fritz, incredible run from Tiafo, consistency from our big servers, John Isner, Riley Opelka. Um, you know, it's just been a really interesting year for Nakashima's American tennis. Nakashima's coming up a Not little bit. Making a great run. Wolf was on the Challenger Tour dominating. Um, what's his name? Um, Corda. Corda looking good. He he uh, he should have beaten Nadal in uh, Indian Wells. Yeah. So yeah, they they're coming up slowly. So yeah, it's it's gonna be very interesting. Do you think this shows projections for a dominant USA in the near future? Yes, I I think so. Especially with uh, the the guys that we mentioned last, uh, they're still building and they're coming up slowly. Mm-hmm. Now Jensen Brooksby sort of gone down a little bit but yeah. he can get his little spark back yeah but i i still have a lot of faith in korda nakashima mm-hmm. they're knocking on the door yeah so i i think they can pull through yeah and i think that might be pretty much everything i had for you i'm lying i got i've got one more that's a little bit less exciting okay um this is the most match wins collected in the last decade from this year all the way to 2012 um the top three are exactly who you think they are but the number four is not who you think it is. Hmm. So I'll give you the top three in order of least wins to most. Uh, at least wins in the last 10 years of the top three, we have Roger Federer with 373 match wins. Nadal with 484 wins. And Novak Djokovic has 562 wins. Wow. Um, and this also speaks to how many wins Nadal and Federer truly gathered before 2012. You know, because they had very strong careers prior to that. Yes, you know, big they, time. They have classic matches from 2007, 8, 9. Yes. Um, and Djokovic didn't even... He had one slam before... At 9. Yeah, oh, nine. Yeah, at 9. And then he made his run in 2011. Yes. So, um, yeah. I, I'm curious what your thoughts are for the guy who's in fourth place. Now, I'm going to give you one hint. It's not Annie Murray. Yes, that would be the automatic. That's the assumption, right? Right, but then with with the amount of uh, time he missed with his hip, it, it's uh, sort of obvious. 
yeah, why it's, it's not him. Is there anyone you could think of who didn't suffer too many injuries but was in the top 25 for as long as possible? Top 25, yeah. That uh, Stanimal, that would be one, but it's not. I can't think of anybody right now besides him right now. You're not going to think of this guy because the number four guy with 372 wins, just one less than Roger Federer, is Roberto Bautista Agut. I see. Insane. Yes. I did not know he was that consistent on the tour over Yo, the last he's, decade. He's very consistent, actually. Yeah, so... He's a workhorse. I was going to say, you're the one who educated me on his black horse presence with Djokovic. Yes. He was the one guy who kind of had his number a little bit. Yes. Um, that's This is an interesting stat here. Um, because or, he's a wall. Yeah, he's a wall, but... Djokovic is the wall, you know, so <laughs> you would think there's no wall better than the Novak wall. There you go. But clearly, Batista Goot knew something we don't. Um, and I'll run through a few of the people below him who are a bit less dominant, but Marin Cilic was right behind him. Okay, that makes sense. He's been around the entire time. Yes. Um, Alexander Zverev, who's been running a very full schedule for the majority of this time. Then Andy Murray, Kaney Shikori, Dominic Team. Igor Dimitrov, and finally, John Isner. Those are your roughly top 10 guys with the most wins of the last decade. Okay. So yeah, that's pretty much everything I have for you this week. Alright, well, in that case, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed, and I hope you guys were entertained. ATP, we'll see you next time.